0: Hi, folks. Lizzie here. Uh, before we get started, I just wanted to put a little bit of a content warning in here. We do have some uh, bit heavier talk about, or one of the main storylines of the episode this week does feature it, and we do have some audio of a character making fun of it as well. So, if any of anything surrounding that is particularly triggering to you for your mental health, uh, we we would suggest that you maybe skip this week's episode, and you know, take care of yourself. Especially with everything going on in the world right now, please take care of yourself, and we'll see you again. Next week, then. Otherwise, please enjoy the show. Episode of Setting the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren, Ahoy hoy. and Daniel. Hey! Today we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 8, which is held The Secret Share. The episode aired on November 16th, 1995. Lauren, what was going on this week 25 years ago today?
1: We got some interesting ones, folks. Pierce Brosnan debuts as the new James Bond as GoldenEye holds its world premiere in Los Angeles. The film releases nationwide the following week.
0: Easily the best, Pierce Brosnan, GoldenEye. No, no contest. Yeah.
2: I don't think I've
1: ever seen it.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean, really, it's, it's not really a very stiff competition, honestly. That's fair. I There's like the one unsic- other decent one, and then the rest are pretty terrible. Tomorrow
0: Never Dies is decent. The World's Not Enough is kind of a hot, hot mess. But I will, I will. The, the James Bond Hill I will die on is that Die Another Day was actually meant to be a comedy movie, intentionally. Because <laughs> it's just so bad. It, it's just so hilariously bad. That they're trying. They're, they're steering they're, into they have, it. They just have to try to be a comedy movie at that point. That's fair.
1: Yeah, I played the Goldeneye N64 game a lot, but I don't think I ever saw the movie. Which comes out, I think, way after
2: this. Because like, this is 95. I don't think Goldeneye the game hits until 97 or eight. It's way after like, sure. Yeah, it's way after this. Like it was that was one of the things about Goldeneye the game that was so unique was that like it was a licensed property that was out ages after the actual thing that it was licensing. Like Somebody it was... somebody
1: do a Google while I read the rest of the headlines. On an unfortunate note, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, is the number one movie for this week. And I know a lot of us will hold it with nostalgia in our age group, but boy, it's problematic, folks. Yeah,
0: probably one of the most transphobic movies of the last of the last 30 years or so. Considering
1: the villain is um, Mrs. Frau Einhorn.
0: Yeah. Like the whole crux of like spoiler alert for a 25 year old movie. The whole crux of the movie revolves around revealing a woman as a man. And it's just. Nope. (sighs) Yikes. And apparently that gives Jim Carrey a license to sexually harass and sexually assault a woman just to find her dick. Nope. Yeah, I'm good Yeah, yeah. we're good S- smarter, smarter people than me have, have said way more in-depth things If you just search Ace Ventura transphobia on YouTube You get any number of quality videos on the topic But yeah, I, I liked this movie when I was a kid But it also deeply, deeply internalized transphobia for me <laughs> Looking back,
1: yeah, I remember my cousins and I watched it a lot. I hardly remember the movie itself. I remember being really grossed out by the rhino butt scene. That might was have that been that in this two. one, or I think that was, might have that been too. I thought that,
0: was, that thought was when H.R. calls.
1: My point is, yeah, I even mixed them up. But um,
0: they're
2: honestly not that. I mean, in, in right? The grand in the grand Jim Carrey pantheon, I feel like they're very disposable, and that's that. Maybe is a hot take, but I'm just like I've never felt any sort of like great attachment to the Ace Ventura series.
1: So. That's our piece on that. And Fantasy by Mariah Carey is still the number one song on the charts. Forever. (laughs) Still not boys to men level of forever. That's true. We're not there yet.
2: All right. This week, we've got 39.4 million viewers packing the house for this one. Uh, This week's episode is directed by Thomas Schlammy. Schlammy? Either way, his name is funny. First of three episodes that he would direct over the uh, course of this season and I believe next uh he is uh, kind of a veteran tv uh, director he has got episode he's directed episodes of the Wonder Years, Chicago Hope, Friends, Mad About You, Ally McBeal, The West Wing uh, among many many others if you go take a look at his IMDB page I guarantee you'll find something that you love that he has been a part of and then this week's episode is written by Paul Manning who we um had quite a bit in season one and then again in season two he uh wrote do one teach one kill one from a few episodes back
0: all right well the episode today opens with uh we got some audio of it because it's just quality stuff all around um open with mark he's uh running a little late to a meeting with uh bernstein and morganstern talking about uh, mr doug ross and his heroic actions from last episode so let's listen in
3: hi sorry i'm late
4: Grab a bite. He's not here yet. Of course not. Why would Ross be on time? Neil. <laughs> he puts a kid in an unsecured news chopper, and the hospital's gonna give him an award. Neil, face it. Ross is a bona fide hero. He's brought terrific press to the hospital, and the board wants to acknowledge Bro, that. Well, why don't they ask him to stay? Why do I have to do it? Because you're the one who fired him, a fact the board is none too happy about.
3: Is any more cream cheese?
4: Sorry I'm late. Please. Sorry to drag you out so early. Um... Juice? Bagel? No, I just ate. Have a seat. Got your tux ready for tonight? I'm renting one. Mine's still drying out. It's going to be quite a gala. We've got two aldermen coming, so be prepared for pictures. I've asked Mark to be the presenter. Demi Moore wasn't available? (laughs) You jest, but the truth is, we're all proud of you, Doug. All of us. Yes. So much so, we want to extend your fellowship for another year. Uh, well, who who would be my
3: supervisor? Him? Hope you'll stay, Doug. We hate to lose you in the ER.
5: Well, uh, thanks. But being as I thought that I was fired, I have taken another position at a private practice.
4: I know. We'd like you to reconsider that decision. Wouldn't we, Neil?
1: Yes indeed we would. (coughs) Several things. One, and this is me being pedantic, it's that time we need a jingle for when this happens. Is it gala or gala?
0: Um I don't know.
1: Is or is this like a caramel caramel thing? Yeah,
2: I feel like it's one of those. I mean my I feel like I would say
0: Gala.
1: I always heard it with like the soft A, yeah.
0: I don't know. Bitch, I'm poor. I don't you think I go with these things?
1: bless um
0: don't go to a lot of galas or galas
1: so there's that also the fact that <laughs> morgan Stewart says don't jest like who says that
0: william h macy
2: motherfucker if that's
1: fair um i want 80 of those bagels in and around my face and mark
2: mark has also learned the magic of cream cheese since last episode this is or, true s- or several episodes ago <laughs> i can't even remember when he was eating fucking bagels dry but
0: that was episode five
1: sure
2: That's how that's how many episodes it's taken me to process the fact that he was eating an unsliced bagel dry in a a living room like a normal human being like he thinks that's a thing people do.
1: I think it had to be five because I think it was the one that aired today because we've had people like write us about the bagel thing.
2: (laughs) Good. I hope in support of my position that you cannot
0: eat a bagel just dry like that that that's fucking weird.
1: We're revisiting the bagel thing, really? Well,
0: I'm fucking weird then. Okay. like I, I did it several times when Lauren made bagels lately. Yeah, I did. Uh, just throw we don't
2: have that cream in my cheese. face, why don't you?
1: Yeah. Um. So there's that. And then also, I'm wondering what the time skip is between when the whole thing went down and this meeting, because it's like, it seems really last minute for him to be like, oh, do you have your tux? Are you ready for tonight? Uh, we have two aldermen coming. Mark's going to be the speaker. Like, it seems like these were all things that would have been well ironed out beforehand. Can't have been more than, like, a week. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the episode, when he gives his speech, you could clearly see, like, that the cut above his eye is, like, healing, like the mm. stitches have come out. So I'm thinking it's got to be at least a week since then, because they would have gotten his stitches out. So, but yeah, so they don't make it clear.
1: Those are Those are all my pedantic weird takes from this meeting.
0: And we love you for them.
1: Thank you. Well, we're in with some bangs. After the most uneventful opener, we come in with the bangs. And we noticed Gloria Rubin, a.k.a. Jeannie, is now in the main credits. We were wondering Mm -hmm. if maybe we missed that in previous episodes or if that was beginning this episode.
2: Yeah, I noted it too, so I'm pretty sure this is the first time that we see that. So,
0: yay for her. And I also noticed there was a little bit of footage from uh, when uh, Carol was doing her paramedic ride-alongs. Yeah, in they
2: they added in some new shots. Definitely, there was one of Carol that I I noticed was new, and there's a a shot of Susan that I noticed was new too. So tweaking because, the, the credits a little
0: bit because wait, Carol is more than her relationship with Doug.
1: What? what?
0: Interesting that like if you'd have if you'd
2: ask me like blind taste test who gets a spot in the like credit sequence first uh genie or carrie i would have said carrie 10 times yeah. out of 10 i'm shocked to see that genie made it in before carrie did who we also do not get in this episode two episodes in a row with no carrie
1: and to be fair genie has been on the show longer
2: true no that's that's very fair but i just like in in my head canon of like who's the more significant character it's clearly carrie so i would assume she would be in the make it into the credit sequence first but so then we could just get a little quick bit with Mark and Doug negotiating Doug's requirements for rehiring. You know, Doug's got his demands of like, I don't want to work Saturdays and I want to get this many attending shifts per month. You know, he's really, he knows he's kind of playing with a full deck here so he can kind of squeeze Mark for a little bit of extra benefit here. Uh, Cause he's, he's got the benefit of the public support. So going to get it, milk it for all it's worth. Uh, and then as they finish their conversation, they end up at nurse's station or the admit desk and, uh, jerry delivers him is it jerry that delivers it to him i think it is yeah yes deliver delivers him his fan mail of which he has many and i think some of them included marriage proposals yeah that's what jerry on brand
1: he's like some of them are marriage proposals probably from females based on the handwriting
2: (laughs) thanks jerry dynamite analysis totally
1: so carter is evaluating a child named romero and he he goes on to elaborate that that was his American name that he got to pick.
0: No, I think his or is the other it's way around. It's Wilbur is his Amer- American mm-hmm. name that he got to pick. That's okay. how Carter refers to him throughout the rest of the episode. So I
1: hear him referred to as Romero the whole time through. So I clearly have hearing problems and was very confused. This or episode. maybe
0: Carter only direct uh, like references
1: when speaking to him. Yeah. it's Romero. When talking about to his parents about him, it's Wilbur. No,
2: yeah, I think
0: you have the reversed.
1: It, Is it I don't, why the did whole, they give this child two names?
2: That's what I'm saying like it's it's a very, it's kind of a strange thing for them, a strange choice to make because like I don't think that's that much of a thing in Hispanic culture. like when they immigrate to an English-speaking country. like that's much more of an Asian right culture thing. So it's kind of weird here.
1: So please bear with us, listeners. If we say Romero or Wilbur, we are talking about this child because I couldn't keep it straight during the episode his face is swollen on the right side. He he has trouble like showing his like smiling to show his teeth. And his mom is speaking in Spanish and just keeps keeps talking about how she thinks Carter is too young to be a doctor. And Carter's like, "Well, this is a pretty classic presentation of Bell's palsy. You'll be fine. You know, we just have to get you on some meds and it'll it'll calm right down." And his mom again insists that, or no, And then he's like, well, does your mom speak any English? Because, again, she's just speaking in Spanish to the son. And the son goes, no, she really doesn't. I do, though. And then his, his mom goes, in English, we want to see our real doctor. It's the only English she speaks, and it's after Carter is told this. So it's just like, ugh. And Carter just kind of braces himself and goes, he's, here's what he needs to do. I will go check with another doctor, but here's what he needs to do. And just kind of leaves. So, little baby Carter. And we should mention, it's four months until John becomes a real doctor.
0: Mm-hmm. And the season finale, close. absolutely titled John Carter, MD. Dun-dun. Um, and then we go over uh, a little bit of Mark and Susan. Uh, Mark asks Susan to take a night shift for for the following night, because Mark has been covering a lot of her shifts. Uh, Mark mentions that he's covered the last four nights, her her last four nights, um, because Susan doesn't have a night nanny yet, which will, become, which will be a little uh, B-plot throughout this episode.
2: So then we get a little bit of awkward Boo I can't do that as good as Lizzie does. Boo um, There you go. There it is. So uh, this episode, Jeannie's going to have to shadow Peter uh, to practice her suturing. And he kind of flips the dick script on her on this one, kind of makes it seem like she's the one with the problem. She's like, are we going to be able to handle this like adults? And he's like, I'm fine. You're the one that can't handle like." Dude, you're such a fucking baby. Like, and I wish I could say he gets better by the end of the episode, but like, and he kind of does, but he kind of doesn't. Like, he he backslides. <sighs> I'm just I'm getting a little over the like whiny baby Benton act. But uh, we then cut over from there to uh, paramedics Shep primarily bringing in a suicide attempt, a young probably like I would say late teenage age girl. Uh, Name's Julia. Uh, she overdosed on Tylenol brought in with her very very 90s male acquaintance like early 90s male acquaintance like my man wants to be river phoenix so bad but he's just not quite pulling it off
1: or why am i blanking on on this gentleman's name the lead singer of nirvana i am ashamed oh, kurt
2: cobain yeah, yeah he's same, also
1: trying to rock some very heavy grunge kurt cobain looks
2: yep same flavor of white boy you know just re- with the like feathered blonde hair that's like messy over his over his uh forehead and like the flannel. Yeah, a
1: huge coat. Mm hmm. It's it's bad.
2: Yeah, so we'll be seeing quite a bit of these two throughout the course of the episode. And just spoilers for now, it is fucking awful. This whole storyline. This whole storyline sucks. But yeah. we will get into it as we go along.
0: Um, and I will admit, I actually don't know what River Phoenix looks like. Who, River, what River Phoenix looks like? I mean, I know he passed away, and I know Walkie Phoenix is his younger brother. But younger did brother? you
2: see um, Stand by Me? Nope, never happened. Did you did you see the third Indiana Jones movie, The Last Crusade?
0: I haven't seen that in probably twenty years.
2: Well, if you go back and watch that, he plays young Indiana Jones at the beginning, who uh, like cracks the whip on the lion and like gets uh, falls into the train car full of snakes. He's he's a very good actor. Like he he thing. was a really really good. And this this guy just looks like a dollar store discount version of him. Like
0: <laughs> yeah, Lawrence showing me Google pictures and like yeah, I could see that. Yeah. But anyway, besides me uh, having pop culture knowledge gaps, um, we go back over. We have a, uh, with Susan, we have an elderly woman humming and setting up her room with like a picture of Prince Philip and various accoutrements. Like little tea, little. Uh, what are those called? Cozies. Little cozies. Doilies? Yeah, like doilies and stuff like that. Like the tea. Oh, man. Tea kettle, teapot? No, like.
1: <sighs> anyway, Saucers? I'm...
0: No, like the little, um, are is that is our doilies the one with the lace? Yeah, with like the lace on them. Like yeah. I, I could have sworn those were like tea something. I don't doilies. know. I'm not well again, not well versed in many things, including British culture
1: or old yeah. lady culture.
0: Definitely not. But yeah, she's a very British older woman. Uh, she's coming up with fatigue, and Susan wants to uh, rule out pneumonia. So you know, we will come back. We'll jump back to them a little bit later.
1: I should also point out. I believe. She is humming, I can't, I don't know, it's not God Save the Queen, it might be God Save the Queen, but it's bum, 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 bum. Like, she's humming one of those very Britishism. Because
2: <laughs> we need to know she's British.
1: Yeah, we need to know that, you know, the the Portrait of the King, the tea, the the very um, elder Mary Poppins vibe, none of that's enough. We need to no. know she's British. We so, need to know she's
0: violently British. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, they opted not to paint her face in the Union Jack colors, but other yeah, than that, but- And the elderly woman here is played by actress Angela Patton, who you I recognized, although I I will fully admit this is probably a me recognizing and very few other people are going to get this because it's a pretty shit movie all over overall. Uh, But she played the grandmother in uh, continuing our tradition from, I think, last week's episode of uh, mid 2000s comedies with crass grandmothers. She, we had the one from Wedding Crashers last episode. This episode, we've got uh, grandma from American Pie 3, otherwise, I think known mm. as American Wedding. I think they dropped the
0: like numbering yes, the, convention. it's American Wedding. I've yeah. seen the movie many times, yeah.
2: I think well, that's one I
1: still need to see.
2: She plays grandma in that one, and uh, I think ends up having sex with Stifler at some point in that movie. Like, it's my memory on that movie is fuzzy.
0: I know it's one of them, but yeah, I don't remember who.
2: Yeah, so um, she plays Grandma in American Pie 3, Groundhog Day. She also had an appearance and uh, Flatliners as well. And then she uh, passed away in
1: 2016.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. And a tea towel is the thing I was tea trying towel. to pluck out of the old brain skull there.
1: And then we go over to our first trauma of the episode. The first patient that's coming in is a boy who's had an asthma attack. He's cyanotic. His name is Alan. He's with his grandmother. She brought him in via bus from, like, the suburbs. She, she's brought him across town in the bus to get him here. Um, Doug is working on him with Chuni. And we noted the nurses are wearing their new scrub colors.
0: Yeah, the more peach. lovely magenta shade yep. uh, that they referenced in episode one of the season.
1: Yep, looking good, gang. And, yeah, so Doug just works on getting Alan onto the nebulizer to help him breathe more stably. And this will be Doug's white knight patient of the episode.
0: We always got to him.
2: Alan's quite adorable also. Yes, he is. I feel like we should point out, like, with his little smart little glasses. Like, I was a big fan of Alan.
0: Well, moving on from there, uh, Carter gives uh, Romero's mom a prescription after saying he followed up with the doctor. And, the, you know, I think it was Benton they followed up with. And Ben's like, yeah, yeah whatever.
1: I don't know <laughs> if he actually followed up with anybody.
2: Yeah, I feel okay. like he. I feel like he did the like retail worker. Like, I'm gonna go check in the back. Like,
1: <laughs> I don't think we see him follow up with anybody.
2: Yeah, we might he, trust him enough to think he. He went paid to Benton, lip service but... to it.
0: Yeah, and the and the mom just grabs the prescription out of his hand and just walks out without saying really anything. It's not like by and, that. Yeah, and Carter's like, okay, well, you're welcome. <laughs> as she walks out, so then we cut over
2: back over to the trauma room where they're still working on Julia, and she's kind of putting up a fight against them pumping her stomach um they've got to put her in restraints and uh they have to put the charcoal they're trying to do the charcoal um through a the larynge laryngoscopy tool thing like it's like the black yeah they're trying to they're trying to do it that way but she's putting up too much of a fight they're not they spill the the charcoal like they're not able to do it so they have to go in through a nasogastric tube which is very uncomfortable and she does a really yeah. good job of portraying that and carol is just so like apologetic the whole she's like i'm really sorry we have to do this i know this sucks like and as once they get it get the charcoal into her you know carol they spend a, a good amount of time like cleaning her up and soothing her and like she's like i'm really sorry we had to do that i know that was awful like just just good nurse work there from carol yeah. really really good stuff
1: just, just this, the sweet thing of her wiping her face and getting the charcoal off, and just like, just being very close and like brushing her hair out of her face. It's just, it's a very, very sweet, good Carol moment. Well, because Carol's yeah. been there. Yeah, which <laughs> brings us <laughs> into our
0: <laughs> Yeah, right now. So, folks, if you've ever, if you hate Shep and you actually just wanted to see him make a total ass out of himself, boy, do I have an audio clip for you.
6: Hey Hathaway, I love your new scrubs.
4: Yeah,
6: right. Let me know when her level comes back. Okay. She put up a fight, huh?
4: Yeah, she was really serious. That's
6: really the exception. You know, most of these girls, they're just looking for some attention. Yeah, they have a fight with their folks or their boyfriend, swallow five pills instead of two, and then call 911. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, come on. If you really want to kill yourself, forget about pills. Get yourself a straight razor. You find that artery, you slice right on up. You'll be dead in a minute. Pills are for people who don't really mean it.
4: I really meant it. (laughs)
6: <laughs> yeah, right. She's kidding, right?
2: Oh, Shepard. What have you done? <laughs>
0: Mr. Shepard.
1: <laughs> oh, and Doug and Mark are show- throwing some serious protective nonverbal shade at him as he's talking. They're both just like and the eyes just clearly say you fucked up Ugh.
0: and you fucked up
2: big son yikes like Ugh. that's just just even if she had even if this didn't have like a personal connection with carol like just the way the flippant way that he describes this whole thing is just disgusting like it infuriate me to no like a big I mean the biggest part of the reason I'm not in the medical field is because I'm not in, I'm not smart enough to be but this the the other reason I'm not in the medical field is because I never wanted to get like this like that this is an attitude that's so common amongst people in the medical field is like they they work in it for so long that they compartmentalize and they desensitize themselves to this point where everything just becomes a joke and there's no like nothing sacred like you can you can make these like flippant jokes about people committing suicide like like, it's nothing, and it's just like, ugh, I just I hate it. I hate it so much. I did think it was, it, like, kind of weird or, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess everybody's different. Everybody handles – it's a personal, very, very personal things. But I was sort of thinking, like, they've been dating for a decent amount of time at this point. Like, I'm surprised that this hasn't come up, like, between the two of them.
1: Or that it has. he hasn't heard it through the grapevine.
2: Right, yeah. I mean, it's a very small – community of you know the medical field like I, I would imagine he would have heard something from especially once he said that they were dating like i'm surprised he didn't hear from another paramedic or something like that
1: like oh that hathaway i remember when they brought her in for her overdose or you know like yeah but that and then this reminds me strongly based off what you were talking about daniel of kind of the compartmentalation that benton does compared to carter when carter's taking all that extra time with that with that dying old man who doesn't have any mm-hmm. family yeah. And Benton's like, no, you, you give them the treatment and you move on. Right. Carter's like, they're human. They need compassion and you it's fuck. Just, Yeah, and it's just it's one of those things where this is another example of that jaded.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was just uh, it's it's a really gross scene and like you said, Lizzie, it's it's perfect for somebody like me who's already kind of tired of the character of Shep and is like, Yep, you can you can go now, you can leave But he doesn't. And I did discover in my reading for this episode, uh, I discovered the reason for Shep's stupid facial hair with his uh, his stupid mutton chops and his, like, 70s porn star stash. He was filming a role in the movie Sleepers, which I've never heard of and can't imagine is any good. But, um, yeah, so that w- this was their workaround of keeping him on the show while you know, he's doing this other thing and they just wrote it in as a storyline thing of like, yeah, they let us grow facial hair now, even though like in the goof section of this episode, it's like all these like people screeching about how it's like, they would never let a firefighter grow facial hair like that because you wouldn't get a proper seal on any of your masks and blah, 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 blah. so maybe a little bit flimsy, but
0: there is a reason for it. So like the reverse Warner Brothers with Justice League. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: So yeah, Shep's a dumbass. Speaking of dumbasses, Susan is on the phone with Cookie to look, asking her if she can look after little Susie tomorrow evening because, you know, Mark told her she needs to work. So she's like, yeah, this isn't a money favor. I need you and Henry to look after little Susie. Yeah, that means she'd have to stay the night, but can you please help me out? And of course, that's not going to happen because Cookie's a dumbass. (laughs) I couldn't think of the right word. I'm sorry. Um, Selfish bitch. I was, there were several words that I was going to use, but I don't want to propagate their use. Fair enough. So I'm going with dumbass because the C word and the B word are both used too much against women. Fair enough. Um, and then. I
0: retract my previous statement.
1: And then Harper is asking Carter out to dinner. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Trying, still trying to make up for, uh, her screw up. And Carter's like, nope, sorry. Got stuff to do. Got a presentation I have to work on. Haven't started. Can't come can't come hang out. Sorry. And then as as this is going on and as Carter shuts her down, but Doug comes by to talk to Carter. He's like, Hey, do you have a second? Um, this patient, Romero, this kid, you looked out you looked at him, and Carter's like, Yeah, I discharged him, sent him home for Bell's palsy with his medication. And Doug's like, Well, did you check for vesicles in the ear? And Carter's like, Nope. I don't think so. What? And Doug's like, well, you should because it can mean XYZ and that can be really dangerous. You need to get on the phone with his family and get them to come back in to examine him because that's important.
0: It's like a brain infection or something something like that. that. Yeah. Um, But after that, we go over back over to Julia. Her her acetaminophen levels have have come back and sounds like she swallowed about two bottles of Tylenol, which, you know, there's a reason why they say don't take more Tylenol than uh then uh you're supposed to in the directions because that shit fucks up your liver real bad so yeah her liver is just kind of totally fucked um for now and but that but that part that part of it doesn't really seem to come up even though mark made it seem like oh she might need like a liver transplant or something like that but and no one can find her her now we know brother uh and they can't get her, her folks info from her because she's just not talking so uh, we'll come back to them in a little bit, um, and we come back to Alan though for a little bit. Uh, He's looking a lot better uh, with his dapper glasses, and <laughs> his asthma attack was triggered by a dog. The boys' grandma uh, saying the boys' uh, grandma gets so excited that it's the doctor from the TV. <laughs> um, it's, <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's Doug from TV. Hooray, everyone wins. TV's um, Doug. So of course, so of course the. Of course, Alan will be fine. The TV doctors treating him. We find out that uh, Alan's HMO wants him to go to an urgent care all the way out in Oak Park, which if we're saying based on loose geographic continuity that it's either somewhere close to the lake or somewhere on the near west side, it's about anywhere between six to eight miles out to Oak Park, you know, by bus. So that'll take quite a while to get out there. Um, and then, so Doug, you know, just doing Doug things, uh, forges the boy's chart and goes directly against, uh, Chuni's notes. Like, yep. uh, Doug says, uh, writes on the chart that his pulse, that the kid's pulse ox is 89, which would require further treatment at the facilities that he's already at, uh, when it's actually 98.
1: As Chuny documented when she did his intake. Yep. Or his latest labs or whatever. Yeah. Also, we lived in Oak Park for a while. It mm-hmm. was lovely. Mm-hmm. I kind of miss it.
0: Too far out of the
2: way, though, for my life. Too far
1: liking. out of the way, but beautiful neighborhood. <laughs>
2: So then from there, uh, we get, I believe it's Carol, who finally catches up with Julia's brother. Uh, it's just super uncomfortable. Like, this, Kyle. Th- this kid is fidgety as fuck. Mom died last May, we find out, uh, and then dad's not around very much, doesn't like being in the house, can't deal with stuff, like things have just kind of fallen apart since mom died. And So at this point, this is kind of what we're thinking is the issue here and i wish it were because it gets so much (laughs) worse uh but yeah we will come back to these these two
1: and then yeah an an example of how much things are falling apart in their household is carol's like well do you have a number for him and this kid pulls out his wallet and like opens it and there's a bunch of like receipts and candy wrappers and stuff that fall out yeesh and it's just like dude what the hell like We're thinking maybe drugs. We're thinking, like, is the dad abusing them? You know, there's so many things that this could be right now with what this show has done before. And, oh, boy. It is not what you said. They go above and beyond what they've done before. So. I know. Just the
2: one time I wish they would be predictable.
1: I know. And then speaking of awkward things, we have Carter on the phone with Romero's family speaking really, really awkward Spanglish, trying to get him back in the E.R., So he can double check this and like, he's like, well, can I come to you? And they, they finally agree to that. So.
0: So Carter will make a house call a little later (laughs) on.
1: Humboldt Park.
0: Uh, but then after that, we go over back over to our violently British woman, uh,
1: (laughs) Mrs. Ransom.
0: Yeah. Mrs. Ransom is her name. Yeah. We get it a little bit later, but yeah. But, uh, yeah, her name is Mrs. Ransom. Her lungs are good. She's actually, uh, rocking another woman's baby so the woman can take a nap. Which Susan just makes Susan light up because nanny time, um, and the woman the woman is right, is making a cup of tea in the ER.
1: Where did she get a hot plate? <laughs>
3: Presumably, she
0: is,
2: carries one in the Mary Poppins bag.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah.
0: So fair. her bag's ginormous, yeah, and she, and she's directing Susan how to make it the proper way. You know, Susan asks her if she's looking for work, and you know, is all these things and. You know, asking her all these things about potentially working for her. And it's like, Susan, you don't know these people.
1: Her name is Mrs. Ransom. <laughs> she could kidnap your baby.
0: That sounds like a fake name if I've ever heard one, honestly.
2: Not to mention, like, a major breach of, like, the doctor-patient relationship, I feel like. Like, you're treating her as a patient. Like They
1: I never do that in this show.
2: I know. But I'm just, like, I mean in real life like i just feel like that's a step too far maybe i'm just like overly cautious
1: no that's fair and then mark is talking about the discrepancy on Alan's chart with chuny he's like well you know if this wasn't an accident and someone did it this is a problem and you know we need to talk about it was this a mistake you know, because this could be a mistake. People make mistakes. <laughs> and, like, just really hoping it's a mistake because Since he kn- he knows this is Doug's patient. Yeah, he
0: knows. Yeah. Some yeah. temporary uh, number dyslexia.
2: Yeah.
1: And Chuni's like, nope, I didn't make a mistake. Like, and walks away just shit-eating Grinch. She's like, I'm going to get Doug in trouble. Right. Like, she ain't asshole. covering for his ass. No. Yeah. She's like, no, this is this is bullshit. This is against code. I'm not covering for this. And Mark's just like, oh, of course not. So Mark's- Mark's gotta go have a chat with Doug, um, which we'll get to later. And then we have Shep apologizing to Carol, and Carol's just like, it's fine, but I'm busy. I'll talk to you later. And, like, blows him off, walks away. (laughs) then, after missing the evaluation for Romero- Carter then orders everything for the patient that Benton gives him, and she has, like, lupus and some other gastric issues and just a constellation of things that are wrong with her. And instead of taking a history and ordering the tests that he thinks she needs, he tells Lydia to get, like, pretty much every test on the book. And somebody asks, like, oh, are you only doing this because she's Vusulich's patient? And he's like, she's Vusulich's." <laughs>
0: Better, better get uh better get a CT and uh, <laughs> yeah, and,
1: a, and an extra MRI too. Like just orders another test on top of it just to be extra yeah. thorough. So yeah. that's that's gonna that's gonna have some interesting um, comeuppance later.
0: Yeah, taking uh, what useless will later call the shotgun approach, which I find interesting.
1: I uh, think I think that's what Carter calls it, but yeah, I don't
0: remember exactly. It's one
2: of it's one of my favorite visuals, like yeah. the the what we're gonna get coming the fallout from this. One of my favorite visuals. Uh,
0: um, but for now there's a little more fallout in another area uh we have uh some audio of mark interrogating doug about the lie on the charts so let's listen to that
5: 60 good job alan good let's get a um one more Ned treatment and i'll uh, book okay, him for transfer okay mm-hmm. doctor mm-hmm. thank you so very much you're very welcome it's okay you want to fill me in? Kid had a bad asthma attack and his HMO wanted him transferred. So you
3: falsified his chart to keep him here?
5: That sounds about right, yes. It's illegal. Well, should I put him on a bus to Oak Park? No, you know, should
3: have come to me. I could have called his HMO and backed you up. But now, when they see this, they're not going to pay. There's no way I can justify a lie of a medical record. Huh? We're just going to have to eat it. Good, eat it. You know, I can't keep banging heads with you every other day, it's just too much work. If you're gonna stay here and work for me, this cowboy crap has gotta stop.
5: Stay here and work for you. Now there is an attractive prospect.
3: Is that what this is all about? You can't take
0: the fact that I'm your boss?
5: Typically narcissistic of you, Mark. I can't take the fact that anyone is my boss.
0: Hmm. I think that's that might be my favorite Doug line to date. <laughs> typically narcissistic of you mark Ah, oh, i love it i love it and i hate it like i love you know
2: i love the i love the play between the two of them you know this is a very i said this off mic too like this was i felt like an overall sort of underwhelming episode for me personally but i did enjoy the mark and and doug work like i felt like there was a lot of good mark and doug stuff to to mine in this episode but um yeah, just like it's a similar type of frustration that like we talked about with Chloe a few episodes ago. Like he's got the resources to help him. He's got he's got the help there. He just chooses not to use it because he's egotistical. Like like Mark said, if you'd have just come to me and talked to me about this, we could've worked it out. Like we could have worked it out and I would have helped you. Like I would not have just told you to put the kid on the bus. But he just can't help himself. He has to be the ca- has to do the cowboy shit.
1: And I, okay, there is one thing that I wanted to bring up on this episode, and I guess now is a good time. Is Mark still staying with Doug? Is Mark in Minneapolis? Is Mark... Where is Mark staying? Milwaukee. It's fucking close enough. If, <laughs> <laughs> it's an M-City. It's, it's fine. The Midwest is all the same. But, like, is he still staying with Doug right now? Because if so, this episode's about to get a whole lot more awkward.
2: It's true. I mean, they haven't established that he's not doing that, so
1: they haven't said one way or another.
2: No, they haven't. So I would assume at least part-time. So then, oh, God. All right. Um, Do it. Lauren, Boy, Lauren, <laughs> Lauren pass me one of those white claws. I'm going to need right. it to um, get through this one. <laughs>
1: through the mic. There you go. No laws, drinking claws. Go for uh,
2: it. So Carol comes in to check on Julia and her, her brother's in there. She uh, immediately kicks the brother out so that she can speak with Julia alone. And, you know. Discount River Phoenix goes right outside the window and just creeps through the door, like creeps through the window. Um, It's so scary. Yeah. And he he just has that perpetual like lemon face thing too, like where he just looks like he's like, meh, like about to cry all the time. So we find out that Julia is pregnant, uh, which she was aware of this and that may have probably had something to do with her swallowing two bottles full of Tylenol carol reaches out you know to her tries to because julia does that you know you don't understand you couldn't possibly understand what it's like for me and blah blah blah, whatever and carol tries to connect with her about her own suicide attempt and kind of blurs some of the professional you know boundaries i mean i i feel like this is a is it's a gray area but i feel like it's one where it's justified like she she's using this as sort of a a leverage point to try to get To what the real story is here as far as like because i think what we're all thinking at this point is like is was she raped was she you know abused is this a situation where the dad is abusing his daughter like and it just takes a real turn we got a real flowers in the attic situation here where thank
1: you i was gonna put it (laughs) did i put that on the notes or did you because i I thought it I thought it and I almost put it on the notes. So thank you for making the joke so I didn't have to.
2: Yeah, we got a real flowers in the attic situation here. Big ol' yikes. Uh, Brother has knocked up sister. Um, I think it's established that she's older. Yes. So, but I mean, they're both like teenage age. But yeah, that after their mom died, he took it really hard and like was crying a lot, and dad was having not dealing with it well emotionally and was angry all the time and so like she could hear her brother crying in the other room all night and so she went in to hold him until he stuck I don't even like saying it. Oh God. Stuff happened and now she's pregnant and I want to wash my
0: eyeballs out with bleach. So yeah. That's where we're at right now.
1: That's a big yike.
0: Yeah, that's yeah I award this entire storyline one yike. (laughs) Onward. Uh, onward. Uh, we go to Susan talking to our potential nanny, and something, something's wrong. Like I think as what now is when we go over to get her references. Yep. Yeah, we're we go uh talking about her potential nanny. Yep. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, she gets faxed over a list of references, which are very impressive. But then Jerry hands her some test results. Uh, for Mrs. Ransom, and. It's suddenly. Oh
1: no! Yeah, it's a, he's like here's her blood work. I hope she, you know, I hope she doesn't have any prior commitments because she's not gonna be doing anything for a while.
0: Which would Jerry? I don't. I don't think Jerry it was
2: Jerry. I think it was Green. I think Green was mm, standing maybe. there. Yeah. I think. He, I was like, Jerry wouldn't know that. Yeah, I think terrible. he's the one that passed it over to. I think Jerry passed it to Green, who then passed it to Lewis and was like, "I hope she. I hope it's not gonna be a long term thing because she doesn't have long." Right. And then either Luke, way, Susan's just like, "Oh shit."
1: Yeah, something's wrong. We'll find out what shortly. Um, our next trauma, a two-ton cannon has broken loose and rolled over onto a Civil War reenactor's toes.
0: Ugh. Yeah.
1: So he's he's a character.
0: Yeah, this dude is fully into his Civil War cosplay. Now
1: that's a cosplay <laughs> oh, oh, God.
0: God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is how that term should be used. I mean, yeah,
0: he's fighting for the Union. So. Yeah, he's a I guess uni- so.
1: Yeah, that's how it should be used. It's for the brave men reenacting Civil War fights, as on the Union side, and getting cannons dropped on their toes. I, America is a nightmare.
0: I wish we could leave it. <laughs>
1: uh, and then Kyle comes up to talk to Carol, and he kind of like tricks Carol into admitting that that Julia told him. And he's like, oh shit, she did tell you I gotta go, my dad's gonna kill me He keeps a gun And he just like runs out We don't know where he goes I mean, so he, to he s- says
0: it more seriously than that I
1: don't care, he's a doof <laughs> Yeah,
0: he really is a do- Like, he's so
2: fucking, like This kid is 1994 The Ride Like, he's just <laughs> I fucking, I got you know. so tired of him by the end of the episode He's not a good actor Like, he's <laughs> pretty I'll terrible have sympathy
1: f- I'll have sympathy for the sister all day, every day But I can't stand this kid Like, yeah. no so he bails. We don't know where he goes. He, he comes back eventually because we see him later.
0: Uh, and then we go over to Carter, who has like eight different test techs in the room with the lupus patient. <laughs> and it's just best like, visuals, like trying to like fucking juggle all these things like a doofus. So, but, like, he has a couple different texts, like, arguing, like, okay, dude, like, we need to, like, we have other patients we need to do. And he's like, wait, can you wait two minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the room is, like, almost up to the
0: ceiling with equipment. Yeah. Like, like he's on top of the gurney.
1: Doing the x-ray. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, it's my favorite thing.
0: But then, uh, Vuselich actually comes down to thank Carter for running the tests, all those oh. tests on her. Because one of, like, the ones that you would, like, never order on this situation. Right. Like, some, like. Like one well, like of the radioactive tests or something like For the like. blood. Yeah. Uh, turns out sh- that, this, that this person has a rare blood disorder. So,
1: ding, ding, ding. But can we mention the great part of physical comedy before this happens? Because Benton comes in and he's like, what the fuck? What are all these people doing here? What are you doing? This woman has yeah. lupus. <laughs> Why does she need an x-ray? And Carter's like, I thought, you know, after my last one, I just thought I'd be careful. And... Benton does a little, like, come here gesture, and Carter's like, uh, dirt, and, like, falls off the gurney, (laughs) and then goes out to be scolded, and that's when Vyucilich shows up. So all this great thing that happens next is in front of Benton.
0: And Carter is vindicated. Uh, so yeah, the woman, the woman, right? Yeah. Has a, has a rare blood disorder, and Vyucilich is all like, oh yeah, like, what, like, what were you thinking? It was like, I wasn't thinking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, really, I wasn't thinking. Yeah. The and yeah,
0: yeah, I was gonna say this is where Viewsludge com- uh, compliments Carter on using the shotgun approach on, on these on these complex cases. So he doesn't. I don't normally advocate for the shotgun approach, but, <laughs> um, but yeah. So Carter, as a reward, uh, gets to go do a fem pop bypass, which I have no idea what the fuck that is. But
2: I'm guessing femoral popliteal, uh, vein.
1: And I, you say you're not smart enough to be I absorb, a doctor. I
2: absorb a very, very small amount of information from my
0: much, much more intelligent wife.
1: Daniel, those who can't do podcast.
0: There
2: you go. Patreon.com slash Setting the Tone Podcast.
0: Yeah, when, why be an actual doctor when you can just uh, podcast about TV doctors? There you um, go. But yeah, so he gets basically, Ben gets kind of shown up in a way.
2: Oh, and the look he has given Carter mm. when Vucelich is talking. Like, oof, if looks could kill... Like sucks the air out of the room. All right. So then we go from there to uh, back to Miss Ransom. Uh, Susan goes to talk to her about her condition. Uh, She has aplastic anemia. Uh, It's most likely going to be terminal. And she just is not taking it well. Like, and not not in a hysterical kind of way, but in just a very defiant, like not willing to accept the reality of her situation and is very like very British about it. Very stiff upper lip is just like, I would rather carry on and hope for the best does not want to do the recommended blood transfusions. And, um, you know, make, she's still trying to the whole time with this. She's still trying to coordinate with Susan about little Susie. Like, she's like, so can I like the whole time she's telling her, like you have this terminal condition that like is, is going to kill you sooner than later. If you don't do this, this treatment, um, she's just like, so can I come by at seven? Like, to meet little Susie. Like she's still just trying to like force her way through it. Like and it's just very heartbreaking to see. Like it's it's heartbreaking and it's kinda of frustrating too. Like it's very it's kinda of reminiscent of our current situation in our current hellscape where we've got these, you know, people who just are like, No, open everything back up and like people have to fend for themselves and like do like just it's not exactly the same type of situation, but it is very reminiscent of that. Like, of just, like, nope, I'm going to control what I can control and fuck everybody else. And yeah, it's I'm like, sorry,
1: that was my salty take in the notes.
2: No, but I, I get it. Like, I, I do sort of, I see the comparison. It's not a one-to-one comparison, but the, it is sort of echoes of that, like, of just, like, the lack of control over a situation breeds... This sort of like toxic control, where it's like I have no control over the situation, so I'm going to pretend that I do have control over it to the detriment of myself and those around me, and it's frustrating to watch, and it's and it's sad too because ultimately, you know, this lady's going to die, and in our current situation, like countless people are going to die because of it. It's just, it's really upsetting.
1: Very well spoken, Daniel.
0: Um, but then after that, we go back to uh, Mark. And his uh, Civil Warian actor. So, this dude is just is... so hard into it. I love on
2: it. On 11. Like,
0: he's like, no, I don't want lidocaine. I want ether. Like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> Sir, we haven't used ether in over 40 years.
0: <laughs> Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> but yeah, like, Mark, like, shows him the tool. Like, I'm going to use this tool to grind down the bone oh, on your toe. And they
2: show the toe, too. Yeah, ah. it is
1: and it's like,
0: very graphic. I, I highly recommend you take the lidocaine, and it's like nope, and he just bites down a, on a bullet instead. Duh. He
1: goes, well, "Could you find a private to get me some whiskey?"
2: <laughs> we're fresh out of privates, I think. Yeah, house, which is a very underrated line, and I appreciate it. So yeah, uh, the general here is played by actor Charles Cyphers, who is a little bit of a oh hey, it's that guy. He's got a he's got a very familiar face. He um, kind of an '80s specific oh hey, it's that guy. Like he was kind of on the tail end of his. Uh, notoriety at this point uh, but he had appearances in uh, the original Halloween Major League and the original Assault on Precinct 13
1: so then Benton and Jeannie are suturing up a patient together because Jeannie has to shadow a, the surgeon on call to like get her suture practice and Jeannie's trying to make awkward small talk about how she saw Jackie and Jackie ordered a hot dog and um, Benton's like well she's supposed to be on a diet and <laughs> Jeannie's like I don't think she saw me and Benton's like, no, she saw you. She didn't tell me about the hot dog, though. And then it's just the silence and discomfort of this interaction is so palpable because Jeannie is trying so hard. And I Benton's just like, nope.
2: I know. And they're so close. Like, they're so fucking close. Like, you can you can almost feel the ice thawing to yeah. where it's like, okay, we can at least be civil. We can be adults about this. Like, and then just a few scenes from now he just pisses it all away just because he's a big fucking baby
0: then real quick after that uh julia's dad is here um the potentially violent one and mark told him what happened uh about the suicide but not about anything else so we'll check back with them
1: in a little bit we oh oh guys this is a really <laughs> exciting moment in the art history coming up soak it in um, we have a trauma with a high speed motorcycle collision. There are two patients here. at This and Daniel. Sweet sweet Daniel. <laughs> notice Hey, no no no. I did not us. I did
2: not notice this was all credit goes due to the IMDb goof section. I was not I was not keen enough of an eye to notice this on first watch, but I did go okay. back and find it.
1: Okay. So, Daniel informed us before we took our our notes viewing to look out for this at 2816 on the Gurney. If anybody wants to go look, the notes George Clooney took, so he wouldn't have to remember the medical jargon, are very clearly on the stretcher, on the gurney, tucked under the patient a little bit. They are there. We both screamed at the TV. (laughs) It was a magical moment.
2: Clearly visible. Um,
1: Aside from that, this guy looks rough. He's got a tire track on his belly. Um, They're really concerned about internal bleeding. The other guy that came in on the trauma that Mark is working on may have a skull fracture. Mark and Doug both want want the CT table because they both are concerned about the immediacy of these traumas. And Mark insists his guy gets to go up first because he thinks that like Doug's guy can wait. And Doug bursts in to evaluate Mark's patient, like grabs the little I don't know I don't remember what the actual tool is called, but the little thing they use to check inside your ear canals and stuff.
3: He's yeah. checking,
1: you know, to see if it's a skull fracture, not a brain bleed. Otoscopes? And he's like, your guy, he's like, your guy's is fine. It's probably just a skull fracture. Like, it's it's not a brain bleed. He can wait. And Mark insists anyway. Doug's like, all right, fine. Then I'm going to go put my patient in the OR for an ex- exploratory lap, which I think is a laparoscopy. Lapros- lap-
0: Bam. It's called an otoscope. Got it. Nailed it. See, we need our own notes from medical jargon. And even then we screw it up. So.
1: Uh, Either way, to go up for exploratory surgery, laparoscopy. Uh, fuck, I can't talk. Uh, anyway, I, White Claw. Um. Anyway, <laughs> of exploratory surgery. I haven't even finished one. Um. Mark says no. You're not gonna go run a patient under the knife just to win a pissing contest. I was. Doug goes. I'm doing it so he doesn't bleed out. And Mark screams at Doug. Like this is rare for us to actually see, but Mark. Mark yells at Doug to go home. And he's like, "You're done. Go home. I'm writing you up. This is my patient now." get out
2: like so and the look holy shit the look that doug gives mark when he tells him to go home like it looks like i, I like it the look of just like what like he's not yeah. expecting it and like it just it comes at him so abruptly that it's just you can just tell that like he hadn't even conceived that this was a possible outcome of this situation and it just totally throws him for a loop Really, really good. Like I said, this is this is an episode that I have a lot of issues with, but the Doug and Mark stuff is very, very well done. And I, I appreciate it quite a bit. So then we go from there. Uh, we've got Carol and Lydia at the nurse's station and they're gossiping about the, uh, the Julia situation. Oh, no. oh God. Um, who should happen to walk in through the door behind them and start filling out paperwork? Uh, but uh, Daddy Dearest and... Carol doesn't know, like, Green talked to him earlier, so, like, Carol doesn't know who he is, wouldn't know him by sight, but even still, she should not have been, like, talking about that. Like, this is, I mean, I know we're still in a pre-HIPAA world here, but, like, that's a total, like, no-no. Like, absolutely not okay under any circumstances. And, you know, when she starts really getting into the, the details of the situation, like, Dad just flips shit and, like, slams the... Clipboard down that he was writing on, and like storms out the doors, and then Carol grabs the paperwork and sees the name, and it's like, oh fuck, like I fucked oh, up. Oh no! She... It was at that moment Carol knew she fucked up.
0: Uh, and then our next audio is a little bit of fallout from that little, uh, m- let's call
3: it a mishap. It appears that your father may have overheard two of our staff members discussing your case.
6: Oh, man. He's gonna kill me.
3: Do you really think that he might hurt you? Yeah. Someone's gonna stay with you at all times. I'm afraid that we didn't handle this very well, but we're gonna make sure you guys are okay. Tony's gonna stay with you. Lydia, Carol?
4: You have no idea how sorry I am.
6: stupid to talk about it out in the open
3: really stupid let's put protecting patient confidentiality at the top of the agenda for tomorrow's staff meeting
4: right i got the girl in icu bed we should move her upstairs alert
3: security just in case there's trouble
2: never fear tony from central casting is here
1: great he'll protect you oh god
0: just you fucking dumbasses i
1: love the we should put patient confidentiality (laughs) at the top of the next staff meeting like No shit.
0: Yeah, he's he
2: is remarkably under control here. Like I, he really like the the level of pissed off he should be is not in line with how pissed off he actually is. Like they, he already big no no. He blew
1: off all he blew off all his steam on Doug already. I guess so. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. He's already just having a real rough day as an administrator. He's just like I'm done.
0: Hey, you wanted to be the attending, Mark.
1: And then. Oh shit, they still have that gala tonight. And Mark pissed Doug off. And Mark's like at the desk and looking at his tuxes. And he's like, Can we talk? And Doug's like, No. Jerry hands Doug the phone, says it's a call from his dad. And Doug looks very perturbed by this and takes it. Lots of back and forth dramatic shots between Doug and Mark. And also, Jerry's tie looks very nice today. I very much like it. Um, And we find out after Doug walks away that Doug has not seen or heard from his dad since he was 12. Because Mark asks Carol, he's like, "I thought you didn't talk to his dad." And Carol's like, "As far as I know, he hasn't seen him since he was 12. So, drama.
0: Dun dun. dun Doug's dun,
1: day dun. keeps getting worse.
0: Everyone's having a day here. Um, especially Boulet. <laughs> uh, they're still working on the. They're still work. Still working on that guy who went through the play class window. To to her credit, though, uh, Jeannie is actually enjoy. Actually, getting a little enjoyment out of her work. She really likes using the staple gun. So. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Carter comes in, and uh, while after Genie leaves, and he's like, "Hey," he's Uh, uh, he's basically he's uh, basically trying to play matchmaker between uh, Benton and Genie. It's like, "Hey, she's cute and available." She told me she was divorced, and Ben's like, "What the fuck? Like, why didn't you hear about this?"
1: He's like, "He's like, no, she's married." And Carter goes, "No, she told me she was divorced,"
2: and immediately reverts back to bitch Benton, like, "Just no, I'm mad, like, fuck off." How come I don't know everything about my right personnel? My fucking my former hookup buddy, like, my lady
1: friend. It's like just get
2: over yourself, man. I fucking love how big of a doofus Carter is at the like where he's just like he's practically elbowing him in the ribs, like where he's like ah He, eh, ah. he
1: like he like swats him with the with the um file. Yeah,
2: like he's just like, ah huh. I fucking love this kid. I love him so much. Speaking of great characters yeah, moments. So, right, this is a nice redemption moment here. I was pleasantly surprised by this because I honestly couldn't remember if we got, like, I I was kind of thinking after last episode or a couple episodes ago that we might have only gotten one appearance of Susan's dad, but Susan goes up to the daycare to check on little Susie, and uh, she finds that Henry is there playing with little Susie, her father that we met uh, a couple episodes ago uh and he is sitting down on the floor playing with little Susie, and the the attending person at the daycare <laughs> is just like please tell me he's your father and i'm like you let him get this far before you thought to check with the fucking like what the fuck lady and she's like yeah it's my dad and she's like oh good he had, he gave me an expired driver's license it's like what the fuck <laughs> like you let come on like you have literally one job
1: this is why those guidelines exist now, Daniel.
2: That's true. When I worked, so I used to work for a fitness center that was affiliated with a hospital, and so we had to, like, we had to learn all of the hospitals, like, codes, because we were in a building that was hospital stuff was happening in so like occasionally you would hear codes get called over the loudspeaker, and so we had this thing on our badge that had like the uh the rundown of all the like code blue means this code red means this and we had one for child abduction that was code rainbow so we used to
1: (laughs) oh
2: we used to like run into the daycare center occasion not not like loudly or like make like boy who cried wolf stuff but like just needle uh the daycare workers a couple of them that i was friends with like we would occasionally just walk past each other going to the supply closet and just code rainbow like you gotta be ready
1: <laughs> god
2: so, very stupid that's horrible it was very stupid uh but i love
1: i love your your gym stories they're my favorite <laughs> oh
2: i have many more please let's please let's get to do the lounge so henry's in there and and susan is very surprised to see him in there because based on her conversation with cookie from earlier it made it seem like that was not going to be an option the susan's parents were not going to be coming through with any sort of help and as we as we learned when we met him in uh that previous episode like he doesn't get out much but he was feeling a little guilty and says you know i want to do my part as a grandfather and i want to like step up and you know it's just a really good character moment for him and he's like your mother's not on board she doesn't want to have anything to do with it so he's like i'd probably have to come to your apartment you know i'll i'll do whatever it takes like it's like oh Henry like he at least you're not completely trash like you you have a conscience somewhere in there and you you managed to to find it so
1: what a sweet really point. sweet
2: really nice moment
1: yeah he's gonna make a good pop pop and then as we mentioned earlier Carter was able to get a hold of Romero's um, parents and they said he could come out to Humboldt Park to re-examine Romero um, to check for the the issue that Doug had mentioned. So, Carter is gonna go on a field trip after his shift is done, and Harper manages to convince him, like, that she should come with him. So, like, even though they're not gonna get their date, she still gets to go, and she's like, well, I can hold a map. It's because this is before the Google. <laughs> so, which is weird to think about. This is before you could just Google Maps it in your phone to get there. What? Technology. I mean,
0: um, I remember us being on, when well, we go on road trips Mad when I was quest. a kid. No, like, I was the navigator. Like, Me too! I held.
1: <laughs> the Atlas?
0: Yeah. Was that I, just
1: a youngest child job? I believe so. I have no idea. Keep him occupied. But yeah, I loved it.
0: I'm sure my parents knew where they were going, because yeah. most of the places we went to were places we had, like, to visit my brother up in college in Minnesota, or...
1: Yeah, we would do um, road trips down to Florida, and my mom would, like, this is how dorky of an upbringing I had. My mom, who was a preschool teacher, would have me in the backseat looking at the map and calculating how long it would take us to get there based on how far away we were. (laughs) This is why I'm an accountant.
0: There you go. (laughs) She's gonna make you learn on this trip.
1: Yes. But, on the flip side, our playlists included Wasn't Me by Shaggy, and, um... Oh, there's another really inappropriate one that I re-listened to recently and it scarred me for life because I listened to it as a child and had no idea what it meant. But it's gone. OPP? Mine was
0: just, po- Mine was just uh, Pokemon noises with my Game Boy.
2: Po- Pokemon noises. <laughs> Is that like... In my headphones. It's like pet sounds. <laughs> like it's the, the 90s Beach Boys.
1: We, we had our road trip mixes that my mom, my sister, and I would listen to together. Lots of indie R E. But anyway, Carol also apolog- finds julia's dad sits down with him in like the cafeteria or something or some like lounge room it's like a patient lounge area and she's she's like hey i'm sorry about what you heard like you shouldn't have found out that way there are things here like resources here that can help you and your family like you're not in this alone and he just goes i don't know what to do and then all of a sudden he pulls out a pistol and he's like he's like can you please take this not, not quite like that. It's but not like <laughs> even
0: just a pistol. It's a fucking revolver. Yeah, it's a
1: revolver. I'm sorry, I don't gun. Um, <laughs> But he whips it out and hands it to Carol and was like, can you please take this? And Carol just, like, holds it, like, two-fingered, like, oh, my God, what like, do I do with this? Uh, yeah, this
0: fucking six-shooter.
1: And I want to note, um, as far as I can recall, this is the end of that arc.
0: Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. sure is. Like, what a, seems like, like a strange what? place to leave it, but. Yep. Yeah. I let out an audible gasp when he pulled out that gun. Like, we I did too. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, oh, because he because he, he does a really good job. Like the actor, he does a really good job of pulling it out and making it seem like he's going to use it. And then just right. slowly kind of like surrenders it over to her. Like, please take this from me. Like before I do something, I regret like just a like a plus grade for that guy for just that scene alone. He does a really, really good job with it.
0: All right, and then shifting gears entirely, uh, we are outside of the gala, the gala, whatever the fuck it is. We're outside of the part, the fancy party, um, <laughs> and which Doug has yet to show up to for you know his own fucking award. Uh, so, yeah, we get to find out what happens.
4: No sign of him. Nope. Isn't this dandy? Give him five more minutes. If he doesn't show, we'll make some sort of an excuse. Say he's out scouring the sewers for lost kids and stray pets.
0: Are you Dr. Green?
3: Missing a really bad chicken dinner.
5: Uh, now, you see? You jinxed me. Hey, Mark, you want to hear my speech? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all very much for this tremendous honor. I want to take this opportunity to acknowledge some of my colleagues. First, David Morgenstern for his stalwart support. One minute, he's stamping my walking papers. And the next, he has his face so far up my butt. If he had a mustache, it would tickle my throat. Let's not forget Neil Bernstein. Neil, proof that any idiot who can nod his head can rise right to the middle of pediatric medicine. And last and definitely not least, Mark Green. Mark. The self-righteous shall inherit the E.R. green. Mark the I am behind you 110%, but you are out of here. Green. Thank you. Kiss my ass. Good night, God bless. What do you think?
3: this really how you want to end your career?
5: You think of a better way? What would your father want? He got me. I'll tell you something, I better get a kick at what I'm about to do.
3: Don't do it, Doug. It's
5: a big mistake. Now, you know what my father always said? If you're going to make a mistake, make it a big one.
0: Oh, boy. Wow, Doug.
1: That mustache line.
0: Just <laughs> kiss my ass. The
2: mustache line was really good. Like I was mm-hmm. this is actually I mean, this is again, this is I keep saying this, but like this is strong work from them in a not very strong episode. Doug does a really good job.
1: I know they've done a lot in the past couple episodes to kind of get us to understand where Doug's coming from, but he really has no reason to be this fucking upset.
2: Yeah. I think we addressed that like, a couple episodes ago where I it, know, it feels like I'm- it was rushed. Like
1: now that we're here, though, and I'm seeing kind of what the quote unquote consequences of all that, it still doesn't feel earned.
2: Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I think that's been, a, I think it's interesting to see the whole picture now of like, mm-hmm. now that we've seen kind of the, the pre, the lead up to Hell and High Water and then the events itself, and now this is the fallout. Like, it's just a really, really good bottle episode, surrounded by a very flimsy storyline. Like, if you just take Hell and High Water on on the merits of itself, it's a really, really great bottle episode. But like, don't pay attention to any of the stuff around it because it's not very yeah. It's not very firm footing that they they. I think I feel like they had a really great idea for that one episode, and then they worked backwards around it. They were like, okay, how do we fill in around this really good idea?
0: how do we get here yeah how do we
2: get here here and how do we how do we like weave this into the existing storylines to take us forward because this is this all just feels very like lauren said unearned and very like half-assed like
0: yeah and doug being a little bitch speaking of benton being a little bitch this episode it feels like doug being a little bitch yeah but that's uh that's a hell of a speech
2: (laughs) sure is too i wonder how many takes it took him to get that all in one like because he doesn't really break at any point where they could cut it. Like, I wonder how many times it took him to get get that out.
1: So good, just. Mm.
2: So then from there we go back to check in with Jeannie and Benton. Jeannie comes in to thank Peter for teaching her the staple gun. Uh, he's doing his weird like hand motion thing where he's practicing. I mean, I know I'm sure he has like a a thread there, but it looks like he's holding nothing. So it looks he's just practicing his like hand motion sutures. And she's just like trying. He's like right back into brick wall mode like he's just like i'm going to stonewall this girl like i'm not going like i i feel like i've been insulted and so therefore i'm just like meh shut down and yeah yeah it's like she's trying so hard and he just is such a baby about it So as she, when she finally like gives up and it's just like, all right, well have a good night. Like, cause it's gotta be so strange for her too, because the last interaction, like we said, like the ice was thawing, like they were getting back to some kind of normal. And I'm sure this has got to catch her off guard here where she's just like, why is he back to being an asshole all of a sudden? What did I do? So, you know, when she finally gives up and it's just like, yeah, okay. Have a great night. See you tomorrow. Like he just like, doesn't even look up, but he just blurts out like, how come you didn't tell me you were divorced? And she kind of rightfully so is just, like, because it's none of your fucking business. Like, not in so many words, but it's just, like, you've been kind of a dick lately, so I'm not inclined to, like, let you in on all the details of my personal life because you're being kind of a bitch baby. Like, it's just such, a, such an annoying little mini arc with him the last few episodes. Like, really, really Man frustrating.
1: Up. So Carter and Harper have safely made it to Humboldt Park... They get to Romero, and um, Carter quick checks. Ears are clean. He says, all right, all good. The mom just slams the door in his face. And it's it's really sweet, though. Harper's like, oh, it's your first house call. And, you know, Carter's talking about how scary it's going to be. Oh, no, that's a little bit later. But, yeah, so Romero's good. She's being very supportive.
0: All right. Uh, so, well... Let's give, let's give uh, the actual award presentation a little listen, see where Doug goes with it. It
3: was no surprise to me to see Doug Ross on TV sloshing around the freezing water, trying to save a kid in trouble, because in a way, that's what he does every day. I don't know any doctor who cares more for his patients. I'm proud to present this award for outstanding community service to a great pediatrician, and a great friend, Doug Ross.
5: Thank you. Uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to single out a few people who have uh, influenced my career, for better or worse. But I guess you all know who you are and how I really feel about you. So perhaps the less said, the better. I thank you for this. Thank you.
0: Attaboy, Doug.
1: Good save. We were all real afraid of what he was actually going to do. But <laughs> yeah. you, you all know what I think of you.
0: Yeah. Lauren and I were just sitting on the couch calling,
1: like,
3: eh. Okay, thank God.
2: <laughs> the look the look on Morgan Stern's face too where he's like holding his breath like what's he gonna say
1: it's essentially I know half of you half as well as I should like and I like less less than half of you half as well as you deserve Whew. I'm really proud I hope I got that right or I'll be very ashamed of myself it's, a Hobbit. it's the Hobbit okay. it's the Hobbit when Bilbo is like giving his birthday speech and he says it and all the other Hobbits are like wait what the fuck did he just insult us or give us a compliment is it the Hobbit or is that Lord of the Rings fuck it's the Lord of the Rings I'm done <laughs> Ow, that hurt my ears. Sorry, that hurt my phone. Um, you yeah, know that's fellowship. My bad. It's a hobbit saying it, but it's fellowship. It's 100 just
0: Did I just correct you on Lord of the Rings knowledge? Wait, wait, no, we need to document this. Dear listeners... It's literally on mic. You've documented it. I know. <laughs> you recorded know, it. But
1: <laughs> Okay, on with my shame. So yeah, good save, Doug. Way to be a grown-up. Um, so then we shoot back to the last thing for Carter and Harper this episode. They start, they're talking shop for a few minutes and, you know, Carter's like, it's really scary. I'm going to be a doctor in four months. There's not going to be any attendings looking over my shoulder, um, telling me what I'm doing is right or wrong. Like, it's going to be on me. I think that's why I was so scared today and ordered so many tests because like, I'm going to be liable.
0: You got to take the training wheels off eventually. Yeah.
1: So, um, and then Harper's like, hold on, can we just not talk shop? Because all we talk about is medicine. Can we, like, not and talk about something else? Carter's like, okay, fine. And she's like, all right, you go first. He can't think of anything, so he just leans in and kisses her. And she was, you just did that because you couldn't think of anything to say. At least take your hands out of your pockets and do it right. And then they share a very, very sweet kiss.
2: At least someone had some character development in this episode.
0: Hooray! And after that sweet moment, uh, we have... uh... Doug's up on the roof of the event hall, and uh, Mark comes up to have, have a little chat with him, so let's
6: listen.
3: You're not thinking about doing anything rash, are you? You mean
6: like this? Oh, whoa, whoa, what are you,
3: crazy?
5: So awards really bounce. It must be acrylic. Thanks for the speech.
3: Thanks for not giving your first draft. I'm <laughs> an idiot. You have your moments.
5: You know why my old man called me today because he saw me on TV? I haven't heard that voice in 22 years. Son of a bitch. The scary thing is I'm doing a pretty good imitation. Never kept the job more than two years. Most of the time it was two weeks. Got a nasty habit of getting drunk and. Punching out his boss.
3: Maybe it's just me. I take a dim view of that particular approach.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So, still have a job?
1: Still want it.
0: They love each other.
1: They sure do. Throughout,
0: th- even through all of this nonsense, they love each other.
1: Yeah, I came up with the calculation. Doug is thirty-four because he hadn't seen his dad since he was twelve, and he said it's been twenty-two years. So, Doug well, is thirty-four go. years old.
2: And the way he pauses to he's like twenty, like you can sit tell like in, yeah. in character, he's doing the math too. So like, I feel like I feel like that's a pretty confident estimate that thirty-four sounds about right. I is that older or younger than we think? Like.
1: Head I think cannon. that was about what we thought.
0: I think I, w- I was thinking a little bit. O- I think that's a little bit older. I was thinking like late twenties.
1: Oh no, I thought he was at least in his thirties. Uh, yeah, uh, I thought thirties too.
2: I would have thought maybe thirty-two, but I feel like thirty-four is it within the margin of error for that, so it's about right.
0: And to be fair, it was an ugly ass award when he threw it off the <laughs> threw it off and the roof. And cheap
2: too. Apparently, it bounced. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's acrylic. We all cringe waiting for the glass to shatter. I, I love how I love how
2: fast uh green switch from like uh like authority figure parent mode to like teenage boy mode where he was like i hope you're not thinking of doing anything rash and he's like like this and he's like no 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 no! oh oh it bounced like he (laughs) it's such a quick (laughs) trick cool like he goes from being doug's boss to being doug's friend in a split second where he's just like don't do that oh that was cool
0: um, and then we are bringing the episode to a close with, uh, some Shep Redemption.
6: Gross. Damn it! God oh, damn! Damn
1: it! Damn
6: it, damn it, damn it! What are you doing up there? I'm destroying your roof!
1: Oh, that's great, that's just what I need.
6: Oh, seriously, I... I saw some of these rotting tiles, and I, I, I figured I'd start pulling them off. And I sincerely think i ruined your roof. Well, stop.
5: Oh, my god. I know.
6: I know. This is horrible. I just figured I could save you some money on roofing. I'm sorry.
1: About what? Putting a really big hole in my roof?
6: Oh, I... The roof, the mouth. Whatever odious behavior I'm about to commit, all of it. I'm sorry.
5: Oh, look, I shouldn't have made you feel stupid this morning.
6: Hey, I did that all on my own.
1: No, I blindsided you. Well,
6: that's true. <laughs> but look, I did. About what you said today. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't matter to me. You know, I mean, I don't—I don't think any less of you. Most of all, I'm really glad that it didn't work. He means well.
1: He does. He's like a fucking puppy dog.
0: Who ruins people's roofs?
1: Yeah, there's a gaping hole in <laughs> my
0: roof. Come on, Daniel. It was sweet. Uh, yeah, it's—it's it's
2: fine. It's whatever. This whole episode, I just am very underwhelmed by.
0: No, but uh, i say, but that particular note, though. That particular note—it's a
2: good note to end on.
0: But I'll say, it struck at me because sometimes, you know, as someone who has attempted suicide in the past, sometimes that's just all you want to hear. Is that someone is that glad that whatever you did didn't work? Yeah.
2: No, that—that that is. That's very well said.
1: In case I haven't said it lately, boy howdy, I'm glad it didn't work.
0: Thank you. Same y'all are gay (laughs) for you (laughs) we'll see i'm non-binary so everyone who loves me is gay ha ha
2: checkmate atheists
1: yeah ha ha (laughs) good god and still no weaver
2: yeah still no we we touched on that at the very beginning but i was like really surprised i was like i felt like even after we learned like she was originally supposed to be a short-term character and then they expanded it like i still felt like once we get weaver we get weaver and like it's been much more stop start than i remember yeah like she got, got many much more yeah like it's been much more of just like i felt like we were really digging in like okay we've got weaver for the long haul now and now it's just sort of like we've just put a pause on it for a few episodes i think she is back next week um, i did look ahead in the cast list but i think i think she comes back next week but it still just seems strange it feels like because we had such a meaty episode with Last week, like, it feels like she's been gone much longer.
1: All right. And I have our um, our little note from a listener that I want to um, share because it was an interesting tidbit and important for context, if we're good. Yeah. Daniel, are you good?
0: Yeah. Yep. Good. What do we got from the corrections department?
1: So our listener, Robert, who has been very good at sharing a lot of local um, Chicago hospital history and, you know, just various documentaries and things that we still need to check out oops um he shared with me that with the chicago police people with the rank of sergeant and above are the white shirts and the cpd has districts not precincts so thank you robert Hmm. yeah so the guy that beat the shit out of the other cop was a sergeant or above
0: and we are glad he did it
1: (laughs) yes so that's all i've got for corrections this
0: week so yeah that was what three episodes ago
1: two or three yeah
0: yeah episode five
1: it was, this, it was the episode that aired today. Yeah. So, So right. hey, now
0: you know when we're recording this. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Time travel. Um, but, yeah, so that's all I've got from the social media corrections team today.
0: Um, But, yeah,
1: I think it was
0: a fine episode.
1: Yeah. I'd say C+. Plus.
0: Yeah. That's, a, yeah. yeah. Somewhere in the C range is for me.
2: I think it gets elevated by the quality of the Mark and Doug stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like if it was not for them I feel like this would be a very low tier episode I feel like this would probably be one of my least favorites so far just because I'm so I'm like I I think I illustrated pretty well in there that I was very put off by the
1: Flowers in the Attic
2: storyline like that was just weird and it it just
1: ends so sloppily
2: yeah it ends very abruptly like no one's satisfied with that ending Um, and that's that's essentially one of your A plots you know so it's like kind of ends on an abrupt note like susan's storyline isn't particularly compelling either like she's kind of treading water in this one you know it's just very like it's very ho-hum episode on its best day outside of doug and mark and then with the incest storyline it's like dude no like this doesn't need to be a thing yeah but i mean it's it like i said it gets elevated to that c plus tier by some really really solid work from Doug and Mark like this is a very good bromance episode for them they kind of go through the full full spectrum in this episode Um, so props to them for saving the the
0: day alright well that'll just about wrap up our episode for today Uh, thank you all very much for listening as always Uh, the show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash setting the tone podcast for only a dollar a month you can get access to our show notes each week higher tier rewards once unlocked will include season recap episodes a monthly bonus show called the lounge where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment and a monthly movie commentaries where we'll watch and talk about a movie featuring an er cast member well we'd also appreciate if you would follow us on our social media accounts we are at set the tone er on twitter we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash setting the tone podcast, and we are at setting the tone podcast on Instagram. Our theme music today is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at?
2: They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is Y O U uh, dot E L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co host Jake Terrell. Or Each episode, we take a different pop culture topic and put it through a little mock trial.
0: Listen to uh, all three of us plus Jake uh,
1: rant about Animal Crossing. Yes, a in while. a
2: soon upcoming episode. Or may by the time this comes
0: out, may already be out. I have no idea. And laura what can folks find you at?
1: Folks can find me uh tweeting leftist satire, Animal Crossing, and World of Warcraft memes on my personal Twitter at Lobob92345.
0: And you can also find me on Twitter, I am at random gamer, that's G A M three R. And thank you again everyone very much for listening. Uh please join us again next time and have a great week.